0: Welcome to the Cybersecurity Readiness Podcast Series with Dr. Dave Chatterjee. Dr. Chatterjee is the author of the book Cybersecurity Readiness, a Holistic and High Performance Approach, a SAGE publication. He has been studying cybersecurity for over a decade, authored and edited scholarly papers, delivered talks, conducted webinars and workshops, consulted with companies, and served on a cybersecurity SWAT team with chief information security officers. Dr. Chatterjee is Associate Professor of Management Information Systems at the Terry College of Business, the University of Georgia. As a Duke University visiting scholar, Dr. Chatterjee has taught in the Master of Engineering in Cybersecurity program at the Pratt School of Engineering.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome you to this episode of the Cybersecurity Readiness podcast series. Our discussion today will focus on the challenges and best practices associated with securing small to mid-sized businesses. We will be using the acronyms SMBs or SMEs during the course of the discussion. SMB stands for small to mid-sized businesses. SME stands for small to mid-sized enterprises. I think it's okay to use these terms synonymously a quick definition small businesses are usually defined as organizations with fewer than 100 employees mid-sized enterprises are organizations with 100 to 999 employees this should be a very interesting and useful discussion because the attacks on smbs are growing and survey finds that 60% of small and medium-sized businesses go out of business within six months of being hacked. Grayson Milburn, Security Intelligence Director at OpenText Security Solutions, is our guest for this episode. I'm delighted to have him join me in having this very important conversation. Grayson, welcome.
2: Yay, thank you, David. Glad to be here.
1: So before we get into the details of SMB information security challenges and best practices, let's talk about you a bit. Share with listeners some highlights of your professional journey.
2: Yeah, thanks, Dave. So I have about a little over 18 years of experience within the cybersecurity space. I began my career as a a threat analyst and studied malware, a really fun part of my career where I come in, put some headphones on, and and really just observe and, and see how malware authors were trying to be creative and trying to be evasive, which you know was really important back in the, the mid-early 2000s and ever more so important today. But as my career grew, I eventually became the manager and then the director of the threat research operations for our endpoint team. And that led me just to, to discover more and more. And I guess you know, one of my real proud accomplishments is being chosen to speak at RSA on several occasions and Kind of gave me my foot into public speaking and, and, and just more thought leadership to, to talk about the problems that we face in cybersecurity, to drive awareness of these problems so that we can act and measure risk accordingly. And- I did that for a while and uh, kind of burnt out a little bit on the, uh, on the conference. There's so many conferences. And, and so now I work more on the cybersecurity front and I work with the product teams to ensure the efficacy of our products. I stay very close to the threat research teams and, and evolutions and, and how malware functions and, and invasive techniques and, and just how that threat landscape continues to evolve. And so that that's what I do today primarily is, is, is right. Track that, make sure our products stay capable and then join you for podcasts like this and spread the good word of, of why it's important to, to be aware of the risks that we face and and not just be aware but you know what know what steps you can take to you know actively improve your defense you know now because you know what our data will show and what we'll talk about throughout this this podcast here is is that the problem is is unfortunately getting worse and it's, it's somewhat moving down market and we're seeing smaller and smaller businesses become more and more of the focus especially of ransomware attacks great
1: to hear about your journey you're doing great and I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to my listeners. I couldn't agree with you more that we are discussing a very important topic, and it's not enough just to talk about the challenges or the realities of what the SMBs face when it comes to securing their organization, securing their data, but what can they do? How can they do better? That really needs to be the focus, and I'm sure we will talk a lot about that. But let's begin by sharing with the listeners, some facts and stats. A couple of years ago, I authored a paper along with Mike Benz, who's the partner and fractional CIO at Fortune Partners. The paper is titled Calculated Risk, a Cybersecurity Evaluation Tool for SMEs. It's published in Business Horizons in 2020. Uh, It's been cited heavily, been very well-received, So there, when we were authoring the paper, we shared some facts, and I'd like to hear your reactions to some of them. We'll not go through all of them. The first one is SMBs are among the least mature and most vulnerable in terms of their cybersecurity risk and resilience. As one CIO of a mid-sized bank put it, many cyber criminals are specifically targeting mid-sized companies that are in the cybercrime sweet spot. They are big enough to have significant bank accounts, but they often don't use the latest cybersecurity defenses. Also, middle market firms are often the gateway to bigger targets for cyber thieves. Your thoughts, your reactions.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think this is an unfortunate reality, but our, our data shows the same And that, as I mentioned, we see a continued downward trend in the median size of a business that suffers a ransomware attack. And when we look back over time, this number is now just over 100 is the average so far in 2022. But at this time last year, it was over 200. And so we've seen a very significant shift down market and along with that, we've actually seen the median ransomware payment has also dropped and And so I think you know what misconception a lot of times is that ransomware demands what we see maybe in the media are these seven figure, maybe even eight figure <laughs> ransoms. But what we right. really see for the vast majority of people who are getting infected and then deciding to pay or or some do some don't, but the ransoms are less than fifty thousand dollars. I think it we're now somewhere around thirty eight or So $1,000, which again, if you compare that to last year, it was considerably higher, closer to $100,000 then. But again, those businesses are larger. So I think in some ways, the the ransom average demands reflect the size of the business. Because I mean, let's face it, this is a a business to them. And the only way that they make money is if you pay. Mm -hmm. And so they know what you can pay. A lot of times they've been inside your environment and have have a good enough idea to set a, a ransom that has a chance of being paid. And I think that makes it a problem because these are people who've, who've come forward and, and told their story. But I think a lot of times also what we see in the SMB spaces, especially in the smaller sizes of businesses, is that if they encounter ransomware, they don't report it. And, and they just want to sweep it under the rug, move on, and, and pretend it didn't happen. And unfortunately, that has its other consequences that come along with it.
1: Indeed. Very unfortunate. Sweeping under the rug is not the way to deal with this problem. Organizations will have to proactively prepare for ransomware attack scenarios. As you know, the threat actors have upped their game and are now engaging in double, triple, and quadruple extortions. Along with encrypting systems and data, they are now doing something called double extortion. They're stealing the data before they encrypt it. So, even if the organization can recover the systems and recover data from their backups and disaster recovery methods, they are still forced to negotiate to get an agreement from the hackers that they are not going to post the stolen data. They engage in triple extortion when they launch a denial of service attack, so the business is no longer able to function. And now we are also seeing something called quadruple extortion where they're not only engaging in the first three types of attacks I talked about, they're also communicating with customers whose data they have stolen and telling them to put pressure on the breached organization to pay up. So all organizations should be prepared for such eventualities and they should have a plan in place and they should regularly rehearse the plan to build organizational memory.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's the unfortunate nature that these threat actors they're they're being advantageous with what they're they're after, right? And unfortunately, they don't care about your small business potentially going under, and they know that these are softer targets. And and plus, there's definitely a benefit to flying under the radar. We've seen some examples of like Colonial Pipeline, for example, brought a lot of attention to dark side, and these guys didn't really like their business model wasn't really going after critical infrastructure. They it, have this ransomware as a service model, and they have affiliates who happen to deploy their variant of, of ransomware into an environment that drew a lot of attention, and eventually their operation was disrupted. So there's a lot of ad uh, benefit to going after smaller businesses, and and the reality is right is that most small businesses don't have dedicated security individuals. IT has been outsourced to an MSP. In these cases, it can be much more time consuming to get back online. So I think it's 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 an unfortunate reality, but IES especially. Smaller companies need to have a plan in place. As you mentioned, I agree. One of the biggest things that causes a headache during a ransomware incident is that it's a timed attack. They don't give you a lot of time to pay the ransom before they increase the demand because they know you're going to start scrambling. You're going to start thinking, okay, what backups do I have in place? And, And this is where if you have that plan in place and you've rehearsed a plan, at least you have a battle card to go to. You have some steps and you're not scrambling because this is the worst time to be scrambling.
1: Well said. To avoid scrambling, to avoid a chaotic response, which is often the case, the organization needs to be prepared. But preparation begins at the top management level. The top management sets the tone for the entire organization, sets the ball rolling for the entire organization. So if top management is under an illusion, is under the mistaken impression that the organization is in good shape, From a cybersecurity defense standpoint, the organization suffers. And that is often the case with mid-size enterprises. Research finds that mid-size organization leaders are overly confident about the level of preparedness and defense capabilities. In a study that my colleague, Mike Benz, and I published, we noted that 95% of the surveyed SME IT leaders believe they have an above average security posture and so the concern is when you think you are prepared but actually you are not that is a bigger problem don't you agree
2: oh absolutely i mean that that's the exact posture that a cyber attacker is looking for <laughs> somebody who believes they're, they're they're much more defended than they are and their guard is down I, and i think it absolutely you're absolutely right in that it does need to start from the leadership level. And it needs to sort of be the ethos of your company. It needs to be around security and around around that. And I think so much so that it can even be a selling factor, right? I mean, you can be proud of your your ability to have a a secure posture. I mean, we see this actually within cyber insurance, for example, you know, they price based on this, right? But depending how, I mean, you can't just get it, right? It's not just, oh, I'm going to buy cyber insurance. It's, well, let's look at the policy and let's look at your current posture. And more mature, more established postures get better rates. <clears throat> it's not too different from a, a credit score, but the consequences are much more damaging. I'll say having your your identity stolen is is really inconvenient. And having your business hit with ransomware even more inconvenient. So there's there's a reason that these ratings exist, and and there's a reason that layered security matters. And 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 having again a plan really matters. And I think one thing that insurance probably doesn't look at is is your readiness plan. They'll probably look to say, these are the layers you have in place. But really, it comes down to reacting properly in that critical amount of time when you face one of these types of attacks.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. In fact, as you were talking about preparedness and what, what surprises me again is the fact that how can top management look the other way when cybersecurity is increasingly being recognized as a strategic competency. And there's another startling data that 60% of small and medium-sized businesses are known to go out of business within six months of being hacked. And the reason I bring it up is because if I place put myself in the CEO's shoes, I obviously have to run the organization, make money, I have to follow through with the vision of the organization, and cybersecurity doesn't quite fall within that vision. But the unfortunate reality is, unless I am secure organizationally, infrastructure-wise, in many other ways, I may not be in business for very long. So having that recognition, having that foresight, that is so important for the leadership to sit up and say, you know what? we got to do something about it. It's not enough just to outsource it. Let's get some intelligence in. in. Let's do an assessment of where we are, what we need to do. And yes, we will do the best we can with the resources we have, because there's no expectation that you have to have a security setup that visits a large organization. I've had the pleasure of talking with several legal experts, and they have said consistently that... When a cyber attack allegation is being reviewed in a court of law, the judge looks very favorably at an organization as long as they can prove that they did the due diligence and they did everything they could and maybe even went beyond to try and secure their strategic assets. So the intent needs to be there, but the intent needs to be followed by by actions
2: yeah no definitely makes sense and, and I mean that's quite an alarming statistic. I mean sixty percent is is a huge number and and a lot of these small businesses get are attacked and and we know like the average downtime is can be several weeks and, and so it, right having looking at like cyber risk as any other type of risk to your business's continuity, I think is, is the is a smart play and just anticipating if what happens if this goes offline? how do I survive? Can I survive? And then again, to the other point, I think having like, it's a complex thing, and for for really small businesses, outsourcing to an MSP, a service provider, is sometimes your only option. But I do think not all businesses are equal, and as your your business perhaps grows, I think there's there's tremendous benefit in having an internal security focused resource. And that resource will probably still be overwhelmed and will liaison with MSPs, but that's probably better than your, your CEO or your, or your COO being that person, right? And this gives somebody who can stay on top of the trends. You know, a lot of times people ask me, what, what's like a good resource? And I like to point back towards CISA, the government's cybersecurity information sharing platform that that does a good job of, of sending out bulletins and like keeps you at least aware of of things that might change. And it gives you just one really good example is earlier this year we Microsoft had a vulnerability in exchange and everybody uses Microsoft exchange or well, a lot of people have moved to the cloud, but a lot of people still host their own exchange servers for email. And, and it was a bad vulnerability about as bad as it gets, right? It allows a hacker to remotely execute code on your system through a vulnerability in exchange. They posted about this and what you should do and the steps you should take. But a lot of businesses still didn't follow this to the point that the FBI actually proactively hacked in and patched many environments that they found vulnerable because at least if, they, if they're able to get in, they know that they can do the right thing and fix it as opposed to who knows who gets in and then does what. So it's a a complex thing. And I I know sometimes small businesses definitely get overwhelmed when they think about just all the complexity and the different services and things that go into it, which again is why once you're over, I think a certain size in the the low 20s to above, it it does make sense to have a dedicated individual and then accordingly scale that to larger company seat sizes. That's great. In fact, I'd like
1: to add to what you said about having A dedicated individual, or maybe a couple of couple of people, it might be unfair to have expectations of a large team in a in a small or medium sized organization. But again, it's not the matter of size. It comes down to how thorough and rigorous the planning is, and the how precise and consistent is the execution. And what my work finds in my book on cybersecurity readiness, I talk about creating and sustaining a high performance information security culture. I use the word culture because unless there is a change in the mindset of the leadership, unless there's a change in the mindset of the organizational members, you are unlikely to get that kind of buy-in. You're unlikely to get everyone doing their part over a long period of time what generally happens is all of a sudden a company gets really big on something and then they start acting extensively. And then after a while, again, things quieten down and then they're back to their usual ways and then they may not be as rigorous. And once again, something happens and again, they sit up and take note. So unfortunately, we are in a very reactive culture. We are not proactive by nature. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's definitely taught me that, that we have been very, very reactive. So even from the standpoint of securing organizations, whether it's for ransomware or for any other type of attack, being proactive, being ahead of the curve, leveraging resources, internal and external, is so, so important. And and it all starts with the intent of the leadership. That yes, I want to know. I want to know where we are. I want to be periodically updated. And that timetable is entirely up to the organization every week or every month. And of course, there, there will be exception reporting. But cybersecurity metrics should feature prominently alongside the other business management metrics. That's how important security has become. It's not because you and I are in this field and we are trying to tell the world, hey, take note, but that's the reality of it is that businesses in today's day and age where we are highly digitized, we have to give the security infrastructure, focus, attention, the right kind of nurturing, or you kind of get into trouble. So Grayson, I'd like to go back to the ransomware report, the the survey report that your organization published. And and I want to share with the listeners a few, but I don't want to steal the thunder, I'll let you share most of it. But it's really concerning that nearly half of SMBs have experienced a ransomware attack, and yet the majority still don't think or aren't sure they are a target. Why don't you expand on this? And
2: yeah, so I mean, I, so this survey was conducted over thirteen hundred businesses, all under a thousand endpoints, and so or a thousand seats, and so it's not evenly distributed. There, there's many more that are in that SMB, so probably a hundred or less, but a really good array of different companies, and and I think it is concerning. I mean, we know that ransomware has been around for a while, and so yeah, you know, I think it was forty six percent of businesses already admit to having encountered ransomware, at least to some degree. I think that number, if we pull next year, is only going to be higher because year over year, it's not really an if, it's a when type of scenario. And I think unfortunately, our data still supports that. And it's because of the posture or the denial of the risk that we still see largely in the SMB space. And I think it's a challenge because one of the other things that we queried on is small and medium-sized businesses and their anticipation of the economic future and potential recession or or cuts in spending, it kind of just makes this problem worse. And so we see a, we see the threat actors are 100% moving downstream. And so we know that there's many more businesses in the 100 seats and less than there are in the one to 1,000. So there's much more opportunity. These, at the same time, people are being squeezed, right? They, they have shrinking budgets and are making tough decisions as to where the dollars go. And cybersecurity, unfortunately, it applies to every business that has a digital footprint, which is pretty much every business today has at least like a website and, and stores customer information. And and these are the targets that are deciding against an improvement to their their sales and marketing efforts, or maybe cybersecurity. Oh, and guess what? Cybersecurity does nothing, which is the point, right? You're like you're paying for something that, that kind of does nothing. That's, that's and you're right. like, oh, great. That's, like what has it done for me recently? Nothing. Right. And now you're happy about that, right? So so it's kind of a perfect storm. And I think what our data shows is that the the, the risk awareness is still really lacking. Based on just the stats of how many people have encountered this, and I'll leave it with one more thing is that this is 46% of people admit to it, but we know that ransomware reporting is vastly underreported. People don't want to have that. That black eye, they don't want to, it's bad for their customers. And as you mentioned, I mean, different levels of extortion that we've seen in the past year, right? It used to be, oh, just give me ransom payment. Then it was, well, there's GDPR and other data leakage fines. We're going to leak your data. Okay. If you don't pay us. And then, then it's like, yeah, we're going to go after your customers and we're going to sell your reputation. We're going to go to the media with this. So like these are all reasons that people pay. It's unfortunate, but I don't blame companies for not wanting to disclose it. But what that does is it this is a difficulty of attribution. And even though this is something that's still very much lacking with respect to cybercrime and punishment, if it's not reported, it, it creates even even fuzzier picture for law enforcement that has resources to go after these organized groups. The more information that they are provided about your encounter, only helps strengthen our ability to strike back and and try to take some of these organizations that have been. And, you know, up till today is largely resilient to any sort of multinational organized shutdown. We've seen some examples, but largely it's a highly competitive space that thrives today.
1: Yep. Unfortunately, those are all realities. As you and I have been talking, I'm thinking of, you know, what are a list of challenges that SMBs encounter, starting with the lack of awareness, a bit of this ignorance is bliss kind of a scenario, inadequate resources, lack of top management involvement. And then during our discussion planning meeting, you talked about the training is not very satisfactory. So there is a probably a list of, of things that SMBs could do better. Mm-hmm. But I think what might be helpful to the listeners, many of whom are probably working for SMBs, is to, let's say, if I were to ask you, Grayson, what are the top three things that you would recommend SMBs do to protect themselves from, say, ransomware attacks? What would be those top three things?
2: Okay. And I'll put these in no particular order because I think they're all very important, but I'll, sure. I'll start with education because I think education is one of the, there's almost always a human element. This isn't always the case, right? Sometimes like software is vulnerable and a hacker is able to exploit something that it's very difficult to defend against that. But the vast majority of attacks succeed because of a human error, of somebody falling for something, clicking on a link, giving away too much information, that that begins the attack, right? And and so I think education and, and awareness is 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 really important. And that it it's not something like PCI DSS where it's an annual. Everybody knows how to store credit card information. Okay, this is not that, right? This is much more complex, and it has a lot of a variety and trends. And trends shift pretty quickly. And so we advocate for like quarterly updates because things shift from the end of the year and the tactics and what we think the scams that are very prevalent at this time of year are typically prevalent at this time of year. So, so that goes a long way in just eliminating whatever might happen after a human mistake. right? So education, I think, is, is really important. I think the other one is, is identifying like, your assets. And I like cyber resilience as, a, as an approach to layered security. It fits nicely with a zero-trust approach to cybersecurity. And really, it's just a cycle. It's a living cycle of, of identifying your assets, protecting them, detecting and looking for active infections, having a response plan in play learning from your mistakes and educating. It's a continuous cycle. But the first part of that is identification. And I think every business really needs to understand their internal assets. And this includes people, right? This isn't just your PCs that are critical, but hey, if you know, this single source of failure as an individual leaves, my business might equally be as disrupted as if I get hit with ransomware. So identify your risks and what those are. And then apply proper risk mitigation strategies to those things. And so if it's if it's data, have backups and make sure that your da- backups are air-gapped or not capable of being compromised by ransomware. There's lots of great technology that does this automatically. But if it's people, right, I think, again, <laughs> staffing is a-, a tough thing sometimes. But identify and understand your... Your assets and then defend them. So educate, identify, and defend. Those would be the three things that I would look at.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. So there are a couple of things I'd like to add to that. And one of that is how do you incentivize proper security behavior? We all need motivation to do things, which are where, especially when we are not seeing the ROI directly. If you're if you're talking to a non-security professional in an organization who has a particular type of work and you have certain security do's and don'ts kind of expectations of that person, you have to be able to convince that person that this is, if they follow through with that cyber discipline, with that cyber hygiene, the end result, overall end result is good, and that's going to help them. So you have to keep showing them the big picture. Yep. Along similar lines, even to get the top management attention, uh, send them the scenarios the consequences of the different types of attacks and breaches and what happens after that, what the organization has to deal with. So make it as realistic as possible to get the attention because that's going to lead to some actions, maybe some change in behaviors. And absolutely means I can't agree with you more that while humans are the greatest assets they are also a great vulnerability. So the best way of addressing that is through regular training sessions. And these training sessions should not be the check-the-box approach. So, okay, I met the requirement, but it should be continuous and it should be incremental. I've often used the analogy of people do these nerdles and wordles on a daily basis, and I have shared with organizations that how about Every day, an email goes out with a security little puzzle or a security game that people have to solve, kind of make it fun. At the same time, you are impacting the mind on a day to day basis. You're sowing that security seed. And over a period of time, everyone has a certain level of awareness, as opposed to the current approach where we go through this security training for, say, 30, 35, 40 minutes. We take a quiz. And then after six months, we again do it. And it's also not customized. So we have to make security training role-based. We have to make it more immersive. So a lot of thought has to go into it. That's Yeah,
2: I I totally agree. I think along with training, one of the things I support is doing simulated attacks. And so you can send out a phishing. And so we do this internally. And we we quite literally take from the wild and examples and, and create templates so that you can Using the most recent techniques and imagery, and I think that that helps. I think the other thing that you definitely touched yeah. on is like engagement with IT. And I know for a lot of companies that, that have an IT department, sometimes there's the there's a hesitation. We've always tried to foster the. IT is a fun and loving place and they are going to be much, much more fun and loving when you ask them in advance of something (laughs) as opposed to saying, so I opened that email and I clicked this thing and now I have ransomware in my computer. Then your IT guy is going to be grumpy. (laughs) But if you're like, hey, I got this email and it just seems weird. Before I open it, I thought I'd ask you, I hope I'm not wasting your time. They're going to be like, not wasting my time at all. Thank you for, I think, creating that kind of culture too of 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 due suspicion but also having a right place to go that it's not going to make you feel like you're you're going to be shunned for for asking that question.
1: I I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was having this discussion with another subject matter expert and he talked about creating a culture of empathy where people are not scared to report that look. Yes, I made a mistake. I I clicked on this and yes, now we are dealing with the consequences as opposed to trying to hide and waiting to be caught. And hopefully, mm-hmm. so changing that approach and and recognizing that, yes, we will do our best, we will learn, but if you make mistakes, just confess up and just let us know what happened, so we can start doing damage control sooner than later. So creating that environment, that culture is so important where they're not looking at IT or security as a stumbling block, as a hurdle, but more as a partner. You know, that's why there's that phrase out there that cybersecurity is everybody's business. It is not just the business of the information security function. But to be able to develop that mindset, you have to create and nurture that culture where you have to incentivize certain behaviors. You, there has to be shared responsibility and accountability so everyone, everyone has a stake in the game. You can't just put your hands up and say, well, if something has happened, it's a CISO's problem, the CISO should get fired. Well, that doesn't really solve the problem. You may have it's a symbolic reaction. You might impress some external folks, but have you really taken a deeper look at your processes, at your systems to identify what the real issues are? So mm-hmm. it, again, I, go, I, I emphasize an in-depth systematic approach, you don't have to be an expert. I don't expect the leadership team to be cybersecurity experts, but they if they have the real intent of securing the organization as best they can, and they want to have the best-in-class security practices, they can absolutely get it. There are resources out there they can bring in, leverage. Like you talked about earlier, there are the cyber insurance companies who will absolutely help them get to a certain point in terms of maturity to be eligible for certain amounts of insurance. So seek the help. There are lots of guidance out there. You talked about CISA, you talked about NIST. There are lots of guidance out there. It's a matter of really getting it, pulling it all together and having a plan in place. I know it sounds kind of mundane and it sounds like stating the obvious, but my research finds time and again A lot of planning happens. A lot of documentations are maintained. But when it comes to execution, that's where organizations falter time and again. But I don't want to monopolize the conversation. I'd like to send it back to you, your thoughts and reactions.
2: You make a very good point, right? Like having a plan is very different from having a fire drill with your plan. And, and again, I think it's so critical, especially for ransomware. I mean, this is important to have. I mean, and you like there's lots of different types of response plans, but, but when you have limited amounts of time to respond, this is where it's most important that you practice these things. But it made me think when you're speaking before, I'm like, and one of my passions is aviation. And so I'm a private pilot and and pilot like aviation like very, very safety driven. And one of the great things about just the story of, of a- aviation is to from the beginning till now, is just how well aviation did at sharing mistakes and learning from mistakes and embracing that mistakes happen and life and death mistakes happen. And so let's do our best to learn from everything from a community-based, all engaged approach. And I look at like, I'm like, wow, this works so well. And then I look at cybersecurity in my career that I've spent here trying to get like a similar sort of benefit of, of so many adjacent mistakes, right? So, like company A, company B, C all suffer the same mistake. Right, like they all got breached the same way. Like, why are companies making the same mistakes that other companies have already made? And how do we do a better job of? Well, so like, right, as you mentioned, there's this stigma, right? Like, if you make a mistake, it can be bad for the brand, it can be bad for your trust, it can have a rippling effect. But if we change the culture and acknowledge that we live in a world where mistakes happen, and as long as you're doing your due diligence, and you're trying to prevent them, like good job. And if some bad thing happens, that's okay. Come forth with the information and share it so that we can, as a community, learn to defend ourselves better. And of course, it's more complex when we have our, our own individual corporate networks. But again, if we kind of look to where the world is moving, the boundary of the network is becoming fuzzier and fuzzier. So I guess I was just reflecting that-
1: uh, No, this is great. In fact, when you when you mentioned about flying the plane, that's such a powerful metaphor that immediately, immediately makes me think that when you're in a cockpit, you have to be absolutely prepared. You must have to be on top of things
2: we prepare like when the engine goes out like all the time right and and it's because you want it to be automatic because you have like seconds really matter then okay <laughs> like you don't want to be thinking like oh let me pull up the checklist and like what do i do no 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 you like know that the six things to do immediately in which order you could do them all in 3 seconds right and then you can start looking around and figuring out where am i going to go so you know
1: and and that's it it's it's the fear of of loss of life, a fear of loss of the lives of the passengers. And if we were to scale it to a small to medium-sized enterprise, what are we talking about? We're talking about the demise of the organization if proper security practices are not in place. And that's precisely why the leadership has to recognize that, that cybersecurity cyber governance is not something, unfortunately, we have to do. It's a pain. It is distracting us. But it is significant, it is centric to our survival. And if I may add one more thing here, the last episode we published, we had a senior, a senior leader as my guest, and he made a very important point. He said, they, we should look at cybersecurity as a strategic opportunity, mm. not as a stumbling block. When organizations, when the leadership takes that m- approach has that mindset. Then miracles happen because then they're saying, you know what, we're going to be so secure. And given the nature of of our business, we can put it out there that if store your data with us, you are safe because we are really the best in the business when it comes to securing your data. So there are different ways that organizations can play up their security strengths and get an edge in the business. And I wish... More the leadership thought along those lines, as opposed to treating it as a separate function, but making it more, making it part of the the overall goals of the organization. So that's kind of the way I I, I see see things here. But yeah, uh, makes sense. But we are coming to the end of our time. Unfortunately, this was fascinating. But I'd like to give you the the floor to wrap things up for us.
2: Yeah, thanks Dave. And thank you everybody who's listening today. From a thought leadership perspective, I, I like just to drive awareness of what the risk is. And I hope that from this presentation or this, this talk today, we've made it pretty clear that, I mean, this isn't our opinion. What the data really shows is, as is this risk is here to stay, things are likely to get worse before they get better. And SMBs, small businesses are really going to be in the crosshair. And so the risk is real. We provided hopefully some steps to help you understand what you can do, some good resources of how to better understand where you might need improvement. And, and I'm, 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 if, you, if you're here today, you're already taking the right step. Because again, I, I'm a firm believer that you need to know about the things you need to defend against. And so you've hopefully learned today a bit more about what's going on in the threat landscape and, and how to stay secure. So with that, Dave, I'll, I'll turn it back to you. Thanks for being here. I'm I'm honestly, this has been a a ton
1: of fun. Well said. Uh, You couldn't have wrapped it up better. Thank you again, Grayson, for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Dave. A special thanks to Grayson Milburn for his time and insights. If you like what you heard, please leave the podcast a rating and share it with your network. Also, subscribe to the show so you don't miss any new episodes. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.
0: The information contained in this podcast is for general guidance only. The discussants assume no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. The information contained in this podcast is provided on an as-is basis with no guarantee of completeness, accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. The opinions and recommendations expressed in this podcast are those of the discussants and not of any organization.